There's a monumental shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up, turnover is rising, salaries are increasing, hiring is tough, and burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now. Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit. Welcome to a new episode of the Prosperity on Air podcast. I'm your host, Paola De Vescovi, and I'm finally getting ready to leave for the Women Who Dare to Desire conference. Yes, it's taking place next week. We are finally there. Um, so next week on Thursday, on uh, Friday, uh, 31st of January, I'm leaving on Monday. I'm really looking forward to be there and meet all the other amazing speakers and uh, Deborah Luzzi, the organizer of the conference. She had this very inspired idea of creating this stage for women to share their stories and inspire other women to go after their dreams, to dare and go after their dreams. So I'm I'm really, really happy, honored to be one of the speakers. Um, Over the past weeks and almost two months, you have heard these conversations that I've had with the other speakers at the conference. I have just two more conversations to share with you, one today with Durga Mata, and you will hear our conversation in uh, in a minute. And then next week from London, I you will hear my my last interview in the series. I think this was the first round of interviews. I, I I'm sure that you know I will I will invite uh, all of them to a second interview, maybe focused on specific topics. And by the way, if you have any questions or any specific topic that you want me to cover and discuss myself or, you know, with uh, with the guest, please let me know. You can let me know in the comments on, of this uh, episode on my website or leaving a review on Apple Podcast. This will help me enormously, you know, to really be sure that, you know, I'm providing uh, content that is useful for all of you who have been following my podcast so far. And by the way, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I'm really doing everything I can possibly do to make it as meaningful as possible to all of you. So please let me know what are the topics that you would love to be covered by myself and by my guests. So let me introduce my speaker today, Durga Mata is a musician, a speaker, a spiritual artist and a well-being coach. She is known for her mindfulness meditation, silk painting workshops, 
that stand out in their ability to raise consciousness and aid well-being as well as being joyful. And uh, her events are very transformative. She is also a well-known uh, meditation teacher. She's about to publish her first book, How to Win the Game of Life. And uh, you will hear uh, the journey, her her book writing journey, uh, rather her book publishing journey uh, during my conversation with her. We will be speaking a lot about spirituality, as you can imagine, spirituality, meditation, her spiritual approach to life and business, the challenges of starting a business in uh, in her 60s, but also her willingness to always add new skills and learn new things and really accept the challenges of building, running and marketing a business. And of course, these are not challenges just for people in their 60s. I mean, running a business is a an adventure uh, for full of surprises for everyone at any age. So without any further ado, let's move to my conversation with Durga Mata. today. Hi Paula, it's a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. So I have briefly introduced you to my audience, but I would like you to tell something about yourself and what you do. Right, well my name is Durga Mata Chaudhary and I've been practicing meditation for more than 45 years now and it's shown me how important the spiritual side of our life is and how it's actually quite neglected in our culture. And this is something that actually inspired me to train as a religious education teacher years ago. But since retiring, I've got um, kind of new inspiration to take my life in a new direction and in a way to try to serve God a little bit more directly. And when I say serve God, I mean serve the spiritual side, the, the, the divine aspect of human beings in the best way that I can. So that's what inspired me to start my business. Before we move uh, to your business, uh, and I'm very curious, especially because you've started it later in your life, and uh, this is a topic that I really love to talk about, I would love to know something about your name. All right. Well, I'm married to an Indian, and Chaudhary is actually a title. It's not a surname. And you find Chaudhary from Afghanistan right across to Burma. And I was very excited and inspired to discover that it was not simply what I had been told, what I'd understood from most people. Oh, it's a kind of title related to land ownership. It's not. It's called the Cho is for, Cha, cha is for. And Duri is the doors. And so it's the 
person in the community who is responsible for the security and safety of the north, south, east, and west. In other words, who's yes. coming and going in the village, who's yes. coming in the in the district. So it's a title which is is uh, given at some point in history to a family or an individual who is particularly responsible, a bit like a mayor, I think. Um, and ours was back in the Mughal times. Our family was given the title of Chaudhuri. So um, that's where the Chaudhuri comes from. Um, my spiritual teacher is also Indian. My husband's Indian. My spiritual teacher's Indian. And he gave me the name Durga Mata. Now, Durga, if anybody knows anything about Hindu faith, they will know it's a very, very serious and inspiring aspect of God as mother. And there are two female, strongly powerful female images that, or ideas that you can think of if you're thinking of God as mother. One of them is very strict, and she won't let you do the wrong thing. And she'll literally chase you to make sure you do the right thing. And that's Kali. But Durga is more like, come on, they're only children. What do you expect from them? And there's a kind of endless sort of patience involved with Durga. She's also infinitely powerful. She was actually created in order to break the balance of power between the gods and the demons when they were having a massive battle in ancient times of mythology. And it was going to destroy the whole universe. So all the gods got together and they created Durga and they all gave her their weapons. So she's the ultimate power. So when my spiritual teacher gave me my name, he said it's power to fight for God's victory, weapons to defeat evil, and compassion to embrace the whole world. And one of my friends said, you're going to be busy. <laughs> so it's like when I was coming up to retirement, I wasn't thinking, oh, now what can I do that's relaxing? I was thinking, now how can I manifest my Durgamata name? How can I actually be the power? And bring this compassion into the world. And, um, you know, my, we're given the name because it reflects the quality of our soul, the qualities that our soul came into the world to develop. So I'm trying to develop the qualities of divine power, um, the power to overcome evil, you know, the weapons, and also this mass. So fascinating, very interesting. I would stay here, um, you know, continue to talk about that for, I don't know, as long as we can. But, you know, we have a certain time for this podcast. So it's a very interesting thing. Yes. Yeah. So I have I have to move to another question. So you set up your business when you retired in your 60s. So. Yeah, I can imagine, to begin with, what, what kind of, of business uh, you set up? Did you set up? This is the first part of the question. Yeah. But then I would like you to tell me what the biggest challenges have been in right. setting up right. a, a business in your 60s. Okay. Um, I think, first of all, everybody's different. Each situation will be different. And... Um, one of the things that's important for me in my 60s is that um, my husband and I actually separated some years ago. We're still married, but we don't live together. And I was a single parent for much of the time while I was bringing my son up. So I worked a lot in supply and I don't have a very good pension. So the first reason why I need to do a business in my 60s is because I want to have a strong financial future. And um, I can't just sort of sit around 
being happy on a very low pension. But the second thing is that while I was teaching, I sometimes used to feel a, a great kind of longing and wish that I could actually serve God more powerfully and make my life more meditative because teaching is pretty frantic, as anyone will know who's a teacher. You're very, very um, driven by the demands of the job. You don't have a lot of time to um, actually reflect or meditate. And I would be meditating for about 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and mostly reading poems at night because I'd be too tired to actually sit silently and other, other than fall asleep. So when I was um, approaching retirement, it was like, what can I do which will bring in an income but also be meditative? And the first thing I worked on was, as an artist, I love painting silk. And I painted my silk scarves and other items that I get sometimes commissions to do dresses and different things like that. And I was selling them mostly in craft fairs and I got into Covent Garden Market. So that was where the sort of beginning of my business came. But increasingly, I was feeling in my meditation that I came into the world, you know, like I was explaining about the meaning of my name, to do something to bring more peace into the world, more harmony into the world, and reduce stress to raise consciousness. So it took me into not just creating beautiful silk products, which are very peaceful and have a good consciousness, but also giving workshops. And my workshops are really effective. People like them, and they find that they do reduce stress. They do make people feel more happy. But I wasn't able to market them very well. So I thought, well, if I could be more visible, people would like what I'm doing, and they'd come to see me rather than I'm having to chase them. And I did a course in public speaking. And I also got um, some training in with an organization called GTEx, which is growing together exponentially. And I found it really, really powerful and helpful because when you're trying to start a business, it's very complicated and you haven't got experience and it's quite lonely. And from being teaching where you're in the middle of a really powerful and dynamic community of a lot of people, doing your business is very, very isolating and on your own. And there's a lot of headaches and you don't know how to deal with them. But when you belong to GTEx, I should think there are a few other organizations, although I've not come across any, you're in a community of business people and entrepreneurs and you've got people you can turn to to ask questions and you've got events that you meet up regularly. And that really made a huge difference to my confidence and feeling that actually I can make this work. So, so does if that I, help? If I had to ask you what your biggest challenge has been in setting up your business... I think there isn't one because it's like they say, you don't know what you don't know. You start off with an idea and you can see an immediate problem, maybe like I was thinking, um, how can I sell my scarves more effectively? Ah, oh, Covent Garden is good. Let me try that. They like what I'm doing. I've got the opportunity to do it. But then it was a question of how do I keep my scarves at the high end, which I need to do for the pricing, when I've got to raise the money for the stall fee and maybe only two or three people are coming past all day who really want to buy a hand-painted high-consciousness silk scarf. So it was just a question of paying the bills and making ends meet, that sort of thing. Another thing is because as an artist, quite many artists find this difficulty, we're very often um, quite um, right-brained and 
not very good on the, uh, maybe a little bit dyslexic, not very good on the, the recording side, the account side. So there's just so many different aspects of life when you're working within a business that you need to either be good at or know who to delegate to. Um, so one of the earliest things I had to do is find somebody who could manage my accounts from time to time and guide me on that sort of thing. Um, I should think now the biggest thing is learning how to do social media because I don't want to work anymore from craft fairs or for Covent Garden. I want to work much more online. And online is a mystery to me. I'm learning how to do Instagram quite well, but not as a business. So I'm getting some um, training in social media. I'm getting help with setting up a website. Um, always just new challenges, new different areas of business that you don't know about that you've got to either learn or find the right people to guide you on. And as I say, to belong to GTEx has been a real, a real benefit. I've belonged there for just over a year now to the GTEx organization, and it's just a community of brilliant people who are very focused. Um, there's no silliness, no backstabbing, no negativity. It's just let's, let's get on together and help each other succeed. You know, it's really fantastic. It's amazing. We never stop learning, don't we? Yeah. If we do, we're dead. <laughs> yes, yes. And, there's, and then, you know, things change at such a, you know, fast pace mm. that you really, you are continuously challenged in a way to, to learn new things and uh, etc. Yes. And yes. from a spiritual point of view, I think that life is an opportunity to learn. So it's actually your business learning feeds into your spiritual progress as well. You know, it's, it's. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, one thing I always say, uh, say to my clients when, when I coach them, being an entrepreneur, when you decide to have your own business, this is, in my opinion, the best self-development course you can get into because you really, Uh, in creating and managing your own business, there are so many areas where you have to, to grow, to change. You have to question your beliefs and your mindset. Uh, and so it's, you know, the best, uh, the best school, self-development school that you can attend. Do you agree? I certainly think it's true. At the same time, I think the statistics are that only 5% of businesses are still going strong after a year or two. So there's a huge potential for it to be quite a destructive and, dis and, and um, disempowering experience for the people yes. who put all their heart and soul into something and probably a lot of their money as well, and then it doesn't work. And again, I would say we were not designed to do things on our own. We're tribal species. We're community based yeah. so look for something like um there's um gtex is the best one that i know but also there are there are one or two other organizations which do give um mentoring and support to new businesses and i think it's really worth finding something like that, that where you're getting some support as well absolutely absolutely and you know you mentioned meditation i've been meditating for many, many years. I started when I was in my early 20s. 
So it's quite a long time. And I, can't, I must say that as far as I'm concerned, there are very few days when for one reason or another, I have to skip my morning meditation, but I can notice the difference. I absolutely, totally agree with you. I met my spiritual teacher when I was just 21, so I have been uh, meditating for well, much more than half my life. Most yes. of my life I've been meditating. And yeah, so I've actually had my life saved on more than one occasion through, absolutely. through my life. I, I totally agree. But the question I want to ask you as far as meditation is concerned, I know many people that you know, find it difficult to meditate. What they say is you know, that there are always... When they start meditating and then they have all, sort of, all sorts of thoughts coming into their mind and they start to get tense. So when you teach meditation to your clients and maybe they are experiencing these same uh, situations, what would you suggest to them? I would never ever teach anybody how to meditate because it's a personal thing. But I would point them in different directions because, again, we don't learn complicated, difficult things on our own. We need a good teacher. And I was blessed to, to be put at the, at the feet of my spiritual teacher when I was 21 years old. Um, there are good teachers around. And I think if you read around, find books that are written by people who know what they're talking about rather than people who are just like looking at it in theory, you'll get guided, you'll find your own, they say when the student's ready, the master will appear. Yeah, yeah. You'll find your own spiritual teacher and, and that is what you need. You need someone who knows how to meditate, how to teach you in your particular nature the right sort of meditation for you. And then the other thing I would say is don't push and pull. Start with where you are and if you get to a point where it's not fruitful, you know, start with two minutes or five minutes. Don't think you've got to meditate for half an hour every morning. You know, if your mind is full of thoughts, that not, that's not meditation. If you're drifting off into sleep, it's not meditation. So work very sincerely and with a lot of awareness. Self-observation, self-awareness is really crucial. And also accepting yourself. I've got a seven-step uh, seven to happiness um, system that I teach in my um, workshops. And the first one is just acceptance. I am who I am. The world is how it is. It's no good kicking and screaming or wishing it was different. We have to be able to come to terms with where we are, who we are, and realize this is our starting point. If it's no good wishing or blaming, we have to start with where we are. So if you're not experienced in meditation, don't expect to become expert overnight. If your, your mind is causing trouble, Look for people who know about mindfulness. I would always point you to Eckhart Tolle because um, his own journey, spiritual journey, began with absolute horrific negative thoughts until he was practically screaming, I can't live with myself anymore. It's no good. I can't live with myself. And then he thought, well, who am I and who's myself? And that led him into acute self-observation. And I think that self-observation, getting to know who you are, is really important. And being able to discipline your mind to just be here and now, in this moment, and not allow your mind to be jumping about, about what am I going to do if this happens or if that happens in the future, or I'm so useless and I'm so hopeless because I made such and such a mistake in the past. You know, a lot of progress comes just from accepting who you are. 
being at peace with who you are and moving gently, smoothly, without any stress, without any pushing and pulling towards being in control of your mind, towards being in control of your breath, you know, being able to relax our physical body. It just starts from there. And also pray and meditate because when you pray and you meditate and you ask in your prayers and your meditations, show me, guide me, you will find your right teachers. You know, and they may come and go. You may have a, a one teacher for when you're just learning and then later on you may need a different teacher. But it literally is your journey. There's nobody who can do it for you. Yeah. And become a, an observer. Observe your thoughts because Absolutely. they are an indication of what, you know, the underlying maybe beliefs uh, that, or blocks that you have. They are an indications of those. So yes, okay. it's true. Somebody, I don't remember who he was who said, remember that we are not our thoughts. Yes, yes, it's so true. And the more you can understand that you're not your thoughts, the more you've got a chance of being able to observe them in a detached way and not be affected emotionally by what they're throwing at you and slowly and gradually direct them. You know, the more you can direct your thoughts. I always say it's a bit like riding a horse. The horse is very strong and very powerful and it can run really fast. But if you don't have any reins and if you don't have the right understanding of how to communicate with the horse, it can take you over the edge of a cliff, you know? And our thoughts can do the same. We've got this amazing computer called a brain, you know, an amazing thing called a mind, which is for us to use to take our lives forward. But very often, if it's not trained, it is the biggest torture chamber that you can get into. And this is what's in a way taken me into coaching because some of the people who come to my workshops and also some of my friends have found themselves going through very dark times. And I'm finding I can give them the right kind of structure to begin to take their lives in a more positive way and gain more control over what the, the thoughts are doing. Stress and depression are a huge problem in society at the moment. And oh, I just yeah. feel, you know, this is something I can work on. This is, you know, talking about the, the meaning of my name and the weapons to defeat evil. This is something I've got the skill to be able to work on. Yes. Uh, I know that you are about to publish a book. <laughs> yes, yes. So the what book is the story book? of this year. Yes, it's very interesting. I wanted to try to publish, the, the, as I say, with my workshops, I've got this seven steps to happiness. And it's quite effective. And I wanted to make it more available to people. So I thought, right, I will start writing the seven steps to happiness. I'll start on the 1st of April and I'll finish it within the month. But I was planning on a, about 100 pages, about 10 chapters and 10 pages for each. But as I started to write it, because meditation is a very central part of my life, I started to get all sorts of things coming in while I was writing that didn't actually relate directly to the seven steps, but were maybe experiences which had given me that insight, or they were relevant um, authors that I'd read on that particular topic. And because I'm serious about my spiritual life, and I don't think things happen in a coincidental way, I thought, okay, my spiritual teacher, Sri Chinmoy, wants me to make this a bit wider. In order for it to be, he gave me the title in my meditation, which is How to Win the Game of Life. 
And while I was working on it, I kept feeling his presence and inspiration. For example, I thought I'd finished it on the 27th of May, which was already nearly two months overdue. And I'd sent it to the printer. And then as I was on the train going home, I felt he's telling me, you didn't do a chapter on depression or suicide. If you're writing about how to win the game of life, the seven steps to happiness, those are pretty serious topics that should be included. So, of course, it took me a while to write them up and do some research on depression and suicide, and then I sent it to the printer, very happy. And then about halfway through June, the printer contacted me and said, the quality of the photos on one or two of the pages isn't good enough. The printer's saying you would need better photos. And I thought, hmm, my spiritual teacher would not have thrown this out because of a couple of photos. What's going on? And again, I took it into my meditation, and I found that when I read through it, which I hadn't read through it at that time, because I don't read well on, on the screen, it was very confusing where the seven steps were and where all these anecdotes about my life were coming in. So I had to separate them out. And basically, that's still what I'm working on. So instead of being done in one month, I'm now in November, and it's very close to going to the printers. I think it'll be correct and ready and I was thinking I really want to get this out before Christmas because it would be nice to be able to give people a copy for their Christmas present and then on Sunday just past this Sunday that we've just had I had a major experience I actually looked at my computer it was 2.09 in the afternoon and I was just taken into deep meditation spontaneously and after that I could understand all this business about expectation and desire to have it finished at a certain time and a certain length is not spiritual. Spirituality is all about surrender and accepting God's will. And maybe God doesn't even want you to do a book. And that was a bit scary because I've been working very hard on this and I really like it and I want to get it done. But at the same time, inwardly, I have to be ready to accept, if it's God's will, that it's not written and it's not published, which is been quite interesting and I've been meditating quite a lot on that as you can imagine and it was quite funny because I had to go to my son's this week in Birmingham and I left my computer bag in my hall which is absurd because I take it everywhere with me but I figured when I got there actually my spiritual teacher doesn't want me working on this at the moment he wants me to meditate on it so it's like okay another exercise in surrender and surrender is, is a much misaligned and misunderstood word. In the spiritual terms, it's nothing to do with he's powerful and I can't fight back. Like a sort of army might surrender to a stronger army. It's all about my limited, small, egoistic mind has to surrender to my divine reality, which is cosmic and part of everything. So it's actually um, to do with being in the moment, working on what you believe is important, being happy with that, but not being tied up with any particular goal, not being dependent on a particular outcome. Your job is your journey, and the goal is in the hands of God, if you like. So I felt that because I wanted to write a book, my spiritual teacher is actually using that desire to teach me some very important and quite powerful spiritual lessons. So... When can we expect this book to come out? In the new year? Well, expectation is the, the problem. Desire <laughs> yeah, and expectation have to go out the window. I'm going to continue working on it, and I'm hoping 
that I'll get the all clear from the inner world to send it off before Christmas. But I've got to stop hoping and desiring that that will be happening. So it will, it will be published at the right time. It will be published exactly. That's absolutely right. And I might even just do a bit of it so that I feel I've, I've honored my um, human desire to have a book published. But the whole thing, which has actually turned out to be a lot bigger and a lot more complicated than I'd planned, maybe down the road a bit. Okay. So when, when the book is ready, of course, we will find it on your website, don't we? You will definitely find it on my website when it's ready, yes. yes. Okay. okay. There's a question, because we, before we wrap up, uh, there's a question that I want to ask. Rather than a question, it's an affirmation, and uh, I would like to hear what you, you know, think about it. I'm a very spiritual person myself. Spirituality is, you know, I, I cannot separate it from my life, from my business, from anything in my life. Sure. Um, and spirituality is very practical. But most well, people think that when you are spiritual, you're all, you know, out there and there's this the divide between your spirituality and your practical day-to-day uh, -day life. And it's not this way. So yeah, I agree absolutely. Yeah, and I would like you, you, you know, to to hear what you have to say about that. Yes, I mean, um, my book is called How to Win the Game of Life, and increasingly reflecting on that name that was given to me, um, every single step of our life, every experience that we have, that comes to us, has the opportunity to teach us something and take us forward in our spiritual progress. And it's when you're aware of that and you can reflect on it that we start to actually have fun, even when we're having bad trouble. Um, for example, on Saturday, I was going to um, a training on um, coaching, but I was going to take my pictures that I want to have scanned for the book and drop them off on the way. And in the morning, I was all ready, and I looked in my laptop case where I keep the file with my pictures in it, and it wasn't there. And I went into complete panic mode after going through my bag twice and realizing it really wasn't there. I couldn't think where I could possibly have put it because I've kept it there for weeks waiting to drop it off. So I figured this is more important than actually being on time for the coaching. And I turned the house upside down. I couldn't find it. Got to coaching late. They said, I'm sorry, it's, so, it's such an intensive course. You'll have to book another weekend. And I wasn't the least bit upset or disappointed. I just thought, aha, God's got something going on here. God knows what it is, but he's going to reveal what it is. I'm supposed to be doing something else this weekend. And it's like, if you haven't got the spiritual approach, if you haven't got that um, kind of detached awareness of something, someone else being the boss, I always say God is the boss, you know, then you would be using your mind, your desires. Oh, no, I've messed it up. Oh, what a stupid person I have. I've, first of all, I've lost that file, and then I've got late, and I've messed up the weekend, and I can't do the training. And all the negatives would start pouring into your mind. And instead of that, I thought, mm, I'm working on the CD for my music, my first CD I'm releasing, um, which is Christmas carols played on the pipe and tabor. I thought, I actually need to go and do some extra um, busking in the street to get some extra income which I can divert to my CD because that needs to come out before Christmas. It's not only the book and only the training, the, the, the coaching that I sh should be focusing on. I think 
that what the, what I would call God or the Supreme is saying is, come on, earn a bit more money and get that CD out. It should have been out already. You know, it's been parked too long. You need to work on it. So I was able to pay, play the guy who, pay the guy who did the guitar recording on it. And um, I'll be getting it out by the end. In fact, it's going to the, to the, back to the recorders tomorrow to, to get the editing done. So it gave my, my week a different twist and it gave me a lot of joy. There was no disappointment, no negativity. If we have a spiritual approach, everything in our life is significant and joyful and progressive. And if things are not joyful, progressive and um, feeling, you know, if we start to, to not feel that, that happiness and that energy, it's a time to reflect and see what are we doing wrong because it's something coming probably from our mind or our desires, our expectations, which is throwing us out. You still there? Yeah, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I, was, I was really carefully listening to you. To That's what all right. You I, heard a, I heard a funny noise on my phone. I wasn't sure it got cut off or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, the time is over and I'm very sorry because I would go on and on and on with you. So can you tell my audience where they can find you, your website, your social Yes, media? I've got a new website which is live. It's not finished yet, but it's called www. And then my name, which is Durgamata of London. Because Durgamata is an Indian name, my business is Durgamata of London. So www.dogamatteroflondon.com is my website and my um, I have an uh, Instagram which is uh, I think it's at Dogamatter of London so you can find me on Instagram you can find me on um, on the website if you go on Facebook that's another another story because my spiritual teacher Sri Jin Moy was dead against social media and Facebook and all the internet I think there's a lot of stuff on there which is not spiritual and he didn't want us to waste our time with it. So I don't like my name to be there. And years ago when I was needing to be on social media for some of the religious education workshops and things like that, some of the, the um, teaching groups and for putting things on um, different forums, I made a name up. And I chose Mary because she's the mother of God and you can't get much better than that. And fellows, because I'm a fellow human being. So if you look for Mary Fellows, and it's sort of a red and yellow picture of me, you'll find me on Facebook. Amazing. So I will publish all these links in the show notes of this episode. And I would like also to remind uh, our listeners that uh, Durgamata is one of the amazing speakers at the Women Who Dare to Desire conference taking place in London on January 31st, 2020. And as I always say in my podcast episodes, don't miss it. You will get a lot of inspiration there. You will meet these amazing speakers that I'm honored to interview these days leading to the conference, but also all the attendees, there will be the opportunity to network and really create uh, and build a new relationship. So if you are in London, don't miss this opportunity and the link to uh, reserve your seats 
at the conference is in the show notes of this episode too. And if you don't happen to be in London, this could be an opportunity for, for you to spend a weekend there. And London is always fascinating. There are always many, many things to do. So this is an opportunity. Don't miss it. Durgamata, I thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you in London at the end of January. Thank you, Paula, and I'm looking forward to meeting you. And one thing that I didn't say, which I'd like to, is the importance of gratitude. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to you for what you're doing. And thank you to um, Deborah, who's organizing this amazing conference. Absolutely. And also thank you for the universe for putting us together in this beautiful way and um, doing something to raise the consciousness of the world because it's the only way we can make it better. It's the only power that's going to make progress. And thank you for your time and for sharing your story, your experiences with us. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Oh, how much I love stories of women who dared and who dare to go after their dreams, who listen to their intuition. They get in touch with their intuition and let this intuition inspire them and guide them step after step after step until they really achieve their dreams and create what they want to create in life. So this story, Durgamata's story, was very inspiring. And at the conference, there will be many other inspiring stories. So I really do hope if you are listening to this podcast and you happen to be in London next week on the 31st of uh, January, that you can come and join us. Uh, This episode is sponsored by my brand new membership group group coaching uh, program, the Prosperity Hub designed for women who want to tap into their energy, intuition and full potential to create prosperity in every area of their life and design a business or career from the inside out. It is a very affordable result-oriented online group coaching program as well as a community of like-minded women who want to live purposefully, stress-free, aligned with their values and passions in every area of their lives, both personal and professional. And it is also a sacred space for women to learn, experiment, share, design and create the life that they desire, a life that is a true expression of themselves. You can find all the information about the program, and how to register for the program at www.projectprosperity.com forward slash prosperity hub. You will find all the links, the links to know more about my membership, a group coaching program, know more about Durgamata and the Women Who Dare to Desire conference, in the show notes of today's episode. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I will see you next week with my last interview in this series of conversations 
with uh, these speakers at the Women Who Dare to Desire conference. And I will be in London. Follow me on uh, Facebook uh, at my page, um, facebook.com forward slash Project Prosperity. I'll uh, add also this in uh, in the show notes of this episode and also on Instagram because, of course, I will be sharing moments from uh, from the conference. So have a wonderful week and I'll see you next week with another episode of the Prosperity On Air podcast. That time you got home from a week of double shifts and your dog didn't recognize you. Let's go. Hey, hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. Do you want a treat? You want a treat? Oh. You knew it was time for something new. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, you can find jobs with the work-life balance and salary you want. Plus, build a resume and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Start your search at CareerBuilder.com.